Welcome to this week's bonus episode of the Developing Strategy podcast, in which we're going to talk to Alessandro Piol, who's an experienced venture capitalist based in New York, and get his perspective on how to manage uncertainty. And reflecting on the episode, I identified four main themes. The first is for you yourself as an investor or as a strategist to be as experienced as possible in the area. That's going to give you a huge leg up in understanding uncertainty. Secondly, do your homework. Uh, And is perhaps one of the key messages here, just there's a lot of basic grunt work, analysis, customer interviews, and so on, to really try and understand more detail what those uncertainties are and how they might pan out. Third, have a clear view of what the uncertainties are that you're really interested in. Uh, He identifies four major types, market uncertainty, competitor uncertainty, people, and financing. And last of all, once you've done all that, at some point will come the test and learn phase, which basically means investing in a company and seeing what happens and being open to whether it's a success or a failure, rather than just kind of keeping on betting and doubling down your 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 bet. So those are four key messages. Afterwards, he did actually mention to me that, of course, you can't eliminate it all. You can get black swan events which just come out of nowhere. Uh, So that's perhaps a a last message just to reflect on, uh, which is pretty important. Alessandro, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. And can you first perhaps introduce yourself before we get into the topic for this podcast, which is going to be about how venture capitalists deal with uncertainty? Hi, Joe. Great to be here with you. My my name is Alessandro Piola. I've been uh, in, uh, I was actually in Joe's business school class many years ago, and uh, that's how we know each other. And uh, uh, since then, I've been um, uh, worked between uh, being an entrepreneur and being a venture capitalist. My background uh, in uh, originally is, uh, is as an engineer, as a software engineer. And uh, after business school, I was able to uh, join a large company, AT&T. I was able to do a spin-off out of AT&T, the technology business. And after that, uh, uh, I was asked to uh, start the venture capital farm for AT&T in the early 90s. And that's how I got into venture capital. I've been in venture capital for the past 25 years. But in the past couple of years, I've returned to the entrepreneurial side. At first, uh, helping a couple of companies and now focus on one particular one where I'm uh, uh, taking a, a, a more active role. Well, thank you. I mean, it's a fantastic career. And um, if I might say, it always a complete gentleman and very nice to have you on. Um, so I think our, our listeners can benefit a lot from hearing from your experience. We thought we'd start off by perhaps just hearing from you what are some of the major uncertainties that a venture capital investor or the entrepreneur faces, the sort of the categories, and then we'll drill down on a couple of those and how they get managed. Could you describe the types of uncertainty that are on your mind when you're looking at a particular company or situation? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the venture capitalists and the entrepreneur basically look more or less the same thing from two, two sides of the table. But, uh, you know, we're dealing with uh, lots of uncertainties because when you're starting a company or starting from scratch, you need to uh, figure everything out, right? So there are, there are market uncertainties, there are competitive uncertainties, uh, there are financial uncertainties because you have to raise money. There is also organizational and people uncertainties because you have to recruit a team over time. Sometimes these people are hard to find. 
Could we start then with um, market uncertainties, which I think are perhaps the closest to the sort of thing that a strategy analyst might might get uh, asked to look at, and that's sort of one of the target audiences for this. Um, I know you operate quite a lot in B2B markets and uh, um, perhaps also occasionally with consumer. Could you talk a little bit about how market uncertainties are thought about? I think understanding the market is, uh, as you can imagine, is very important because uh, investors as well as companies want to go after a, a big market or a growing market or a market where you can actually replace older technology, older competitors. Uh, so you need to really study this to know the market and understand what's, what's going on. And sometimes it's not that that easy, especially if you're dealing with on the consumer side, uh, it's hard because sometimes you introduce a new product or service, you have no idea whether this is going to be taken up by uh, by consumers and be endorsed as a as a product, or whether maybe what you're building is just a, a short short term fad that people are going to uh, sponsor for a while and then and then you know go on to the next thing. It's uh, that's really hard to to gauge it. That's why I invest more on the on the business to business side because uh, it's a little easier because usually. You're dealing with uh, with markets that are somewhat better defined, and you can actually uh, get more information, more data. You can segment the market. Uh, you can understand going to a, a you know, probably different topic, but you can understand also the competitive landscape. Typically, what happens is uh, that uh, you have a product that uh, can really target a lot of different applications, and uh, um, but uh, it's really not feasible to go after everything at once, right? So what entrepreneurs have to do and what venture capitalists need to make sure entrepreneurs understand that you have to focus. So you have to focus on, a, you look at a big market to focus on, you have to segment it and focus on the segments where you can have the best product market fit initially. Because once you, once you get a beachhead there, then you can, uh, you can prove that the product can sell into that uh, market segment, then you can expand into other segments over time. And that's one of the sort of the key elements is to focus, segment the market, understand what's going on, understand how big it is, understand where the customers are, and focus on, on what fits the best. So if I understand you right, uh, it's almost as if you don't have a specific way of analyzing uncertainty. Instead, you try and focus to try and just establish a beachhead and then find out, almost test and learn, whether that's a market that's going to grow, but do it in a focused way so you've got a really good test. Is that, is that fair or do you use any other techniques? That's part of it, but there is a lot of work you need to do beforehand. Yeah. To send as much as possible what's going on. Because, yes, you are, you're testing the market. You sort of uh, think there is a great fit there, but the, your, your, your thinking must come from, from data. So part of it is, you know, market data you can, you can gather from different sources. But part of it is, you know, the, the good companies, I know our companies that spend a lot of time beforehand going to talk to customers and understanding right. their needs and understand what the pain points are, right? And more often than not, really good companies, good entrepreneurs, are people that have faced the problem themselves before. So they know that there is a big pain point in doing something very specific, and they can resolve the pain point by using technology and by, by applying it to that, to that problem. So those people usually have a leg up because they understand the problem because, the problem because they have faced it themselves. But uh, on top of that, you really should go out and talk to potential customers, get a good sense of what they need, get a good sense of what, the, uh, what, what problems they need to solve. And that's part of the analysis you do together with the, the market size and the segment of the market. And then, and then you can sort of move ahead and, and test the market and uh, put the products in the end of customers and see what happens. So the more you know, uh, the more you do the detailed analysis, the more comfortable you get with the uncertainty, if I understand. You don't 
you don't really try and model the uncertainty in a direct way. You just try and get more knowledgeable to get a feeling for whether there is a market there or not. Correct, correct. You know, the type of model you do in you know, early stage companies is uh, somewhat limited uh, yeah. because uh, you only deal with, you don't have any, any background historical data of yourself. You right. can gather market data and you can slice it and try to figure out the market size in different ways, right? The, for instance, a company I'm involved with right now that sells into the uh, biomedical research uh, uh, market. Uh, we've been trying, we've been cutting the market into ways, you know, we have a top-down research report data that we can look at, but we also actually uh, dug deep and try to figure out how many people, how many potential users exist in one of the segments, right? Because we can find numbers around that. So a bottom-up approach to give us actually the number of users, right? And that's, and that's very useful. Yeah. And then the next step after that will be, you know, let's build customer profiles to figure out who these people are, how they behave, how they buy product, and that's useful information as you as you or go to go to market strategy, right? So if you have an uncertainty, like how big this market is going to be, your strategy is the more we know, top down, bottom up, the more we reduce the size of that uncertainty, we get more and more comfortable. At some point, uh, we launch and then, yeah, we'll prove the concept or not um, after having done all this homework. So uh, the second way of addressing the uncertainty is in a way a test and learn, but, a, but it's a very thoughtful process before you, you launch the test because uh, the right. test is perhaps buy a company, invest a lot of money in a company. That's quite exactly. an expensive test. Okay, great. Now, another risk you talked about was competitor risk. Is that basically dealt with in the same way or are there any different techniques you use for that? Well, uh, from, a, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from a, if I'm actually starting a company, usually the entrepreneur knows what the, the problem is approaching or she's approaching very well. So uh, they know what the, uh, competition might exist. So they can actually uh, dig deep and find out uh, you know, who's doing what and uh, whether you have a, a lot of uh, head-on competitors or not. But it's always a, a tricky exercise. I mean, from a venture capital standpoint, what I would do is, is uh, you know, I have access to a number of uh, databases of, of young companies. I can look through those and see who's doing similar things and try to figure out more. But there are established competitors you can look at, right? Mm -hmm. there are, there's a lot of people on the, on the margin usually that do uh, something that sounds the same, but it's not, right? Because it creates a lot of noise and confusion. But it's always a... It's always a, a, a um, a, a difficult, a difficult approach. You know, it used to be I many years ago that there were only a limited number of companies that would get started because you know it costs a lot of money to start a company. Uh, so you got it was actually a lot easier to look at the competitive field and understand it was there. But today, because starting a company is, is, is doesn't cost a lot, because I would do money, there is a number of companies that do uh, similar things, and and to get to the bottom of those is very hard. That's why as a venture capitalist. It's also very important to focus because mm. it's really hard to get to the bottom of things if you don't have a particular expertise. You, I, in the past uh, 10 years, I sort of uh, started focusing on specific areas. Like uh, for a while, I only looked at cybersecurity companies. And after a while, you think it's a you may think it's a niche market, but when you look at it, there are a ton of companies with different things. There are lots of uh, different set market segments where people where there are companies doing very specific uh, stuff. And, uh, and you only you only learn that if you really um, look into it, if you really study the, the industry. 
Mm. And after you've done that, you have a big leg up over the other investors because you, at a glance, you can look at someone and say, yeah, you fit there, and these are your competition, and this is why you're better or worse. And uh, if you don't do that, you have a lot of work to do to just understand what you're looking at, right? So even for investors, focusing is important. Uh, for companies, clearly, it's very important to uh, to, uh, to understand what the competition is. And, and uh, in, the, in the company I'm involved with right now, uh, what we did is we classified competitors in three tiers. Tier one were like the head-on competitors who were doing something very, very similar to what we were doing. Maybe not focused on the same things, but technologically very similar. Uh, so the more dangerous ones, if you will, right? But there are very few, there are very few, like, you know, you can count them on the uh, fingers of one hand, right? Then there is a, a tier two, which is probably the sound like they're doing something similar, but they're not. Because when you look into it, it's something that's much simpler or, or it doesn't really hit the spot. And the problem is that those companies create a lot of noise. And when you talk to a customer, they say, well, what about this and that? So you have to understand who these companies are. You have to have a, a rebuttal. You have to be able to answer the customer why you're different and why those companies are not doing what they think they do. And the third year is sort of a companies in the same space, but they have older technologies. Those are interesting because you can pick their customers, right? Because uh, uh, these are guys that the uh, technology is maybe 20 years old and uh, their customers are, could be very well be our customers. And, uh, and if you have a nice price, you can go after them and convince them to replace all the technology with ours, right? So those are sort of the three tiers that, that we see in this particular case. And it's probably similar in many, in many cases um, that you uh, uh, deal with this sort of uh, type of uh, taxonomy of, of a competition. And there again, it seems the emphasis is very much on really do your homework. In this case, you've added the fact that actually, if you're experienced in this area, you, you've already done a lot of homework, so you're a leg up. Um, and then I guess, again, you know, you feel more comfortable with what to other people would just be a nasty uncertainty uh, and, and uh, you, you just have more confidence. I, I want to draw this to a close, not to make this too long. Um, uh, for you and and we, we normally keep things fairly short for our listeners but I can't resist asking about people uncertainty which is just a fascinating topic perhaps not something that every strategy analyst deals with but can you say a few words about how you deal with that uncertainty and is it about the uncertainty that you don't know how somebody's actually going to perform until you get them on board is that what you're talking about or is it something else it's, it's also something, I, clearly the, the risk that someone doesn't work out exists in small companies, whereas in big companies, so it's a risk that uh, mm -hmm. everybody has to face. Uh, but in our case, when, when you have a, a startup company, you get to a point where you get to the knee of the curve, right? If things go well, there will be a point in which uh, you're saying, okay, we've proven this, uh, that we can fit this market, we've proven that we have a product that people want, now we have to, to ramp up. Now we have to get more people on board. Uh, now we have to get, uh, maybe we have to expand the development team. We certainly have to expand the business team and get sales people on board or whatever you need to target the market. And there you need to be ready because, you know, you sort of can tell whether you're, you're approaching that point. But when you, when you get to that point, if you don't act quickly, then you end up losing a lot of time because, uh, you know, think of, you know, you know very well, you know, if you, if you hire a salesperson, it will take a few months for the person to come up to speed and then mm -hmm. hopefully comes in with a, with, a, with a knowledge of the market so he knows, he or she knows the customers or, or where to go. But they, um, you still have to sort of forecast in advance what you're going to do. 
Um, so, I mean, we companies usually have a, have a, have a forecast and try to try to model uh, how long it would take to bring people up to speed. They try to model how many developers they might need, how many business people or sales people they might need. So, when, when it comes down to it, then then you have uh, you you have to act you have to act in advance, right? And uh, you have to. Uh, be preemptive in terms of starting to look for people and bringing them on board. To that, you know, you add also the, uh, the assertive that has to do with uh, finding these people. Mm. And, and that's more of a problem on the on the technology side than other things. For instance, some of the companies I look at right now are in the uh, quote-unquote artificial intelligence space, which is a sort of a, 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 a bad buzzword, but, uh, you know, it, there are a lot of categories within that. Um, and... Uh, so you need to find uh, experienced people, and they're very hard to, to find. And uh, in order to get the talent on board, uh, it's difficult. Sometimes you have to go global and find uh, maybe you have a development center somewhere on the other side of the world, which uh, today probably it's uh, easier than it was a few years ago because we have Zoom. Uh, but uh, we still we still have to, to find the talent to, to, to bring on board. And uh, that's not uh, the difficult, uh, that easy, and uh, sometimes expensive. When I was looking at companies cybersecurity, there is a big shortage of cybersecurity experts. There still is, right? There is not enough schools that uh, that produce uh, uh, cybersecurity uh, um, uh, people, and uh, uh, they're very hard to combine. They're very expensive when you find them. So, so finding uh, people, be able to get people on board and talent on board is is always a, a big uncertainty. Thank you. Well, I think that's been fascinating and really got some great insights into what the types of uncertainty are and the practical ways in which you deal with them, which will really complement what we try and uh, cover in the other podcasts. So thanks so much, Alessandro. Any last words for any budding strategists, any advice to them on what they should do to develop their careers? Oh, well, I mean, I think uh, practice makes perfect. So get out there. (laughs) And I think, I think we can join a, um, uh, you know, it may seem far away from uh, sort of, uh, big uh, st- uh, strategy projects for big companies, you know, the type of things that maybe BCG or McKinsey uh, have, uh, are, are doing. But, you know, joining a small company sometimes is very eye-opening because you see it's, it's a microcosm of all the big problems. You actually see how a company operates. And there, too, there are strategic issues to be, to be, uh, mm-hmm. to be tackled. And um, it's a big learning experience. I was very happy to have actually started right after business school working in building a smaller company because I learned really a lot. These are lessons that stay with me all my life. Thank you so much. Very welcome, Joe. Thank you for having me.